If you have your Bibles, I would like to encourage you, invite you to take them and turn with me back to Matthew chapter 28. We were there last week as we continue on on an emphasis on the importance of discipleship. I want to welcome every single one of you here this morning. God has blessed us with yet one more opportunity to offer ourselves to Him as living sacrifices, as our act of worship. I want you to think of this phrase. I want you to remember. I want you to hold on to this phrase. God desires to use you. Think of that for a moment. God desires to use you. If you think for a moment, well, I don't have a whole lot, that's wrong. If you also think for a moment, well, I've got a whole lot and God is really going to be grateful that I can be used, then that's wrong. God desires to use you simply as you are, that you are to offer yourself entirely. I am not a gifted theologian. I am not a skilled linguist. I am not an exceptional orator. I am not a brilliant student. I have never written a book. I have never built a sailboat. I have never ran a marathon. I have never done a lot of things. I've never sang a solo in church yet, at least. I have a, if you take the numbers from a career batting average that I had, it runs about the same as my career GPA. Now, I won't give you those numbers, but let me tell you this. If you have a high, if you have a high batting average, it's okay to have a low GPA, I think. Or the other way around. If you have a high GPA, you can have a little bit of a lower. I, I didn't have high numbers on either one. And yet, if God could use me, fought, I fought against being a pastor. If God could use me even a tiny little bit, then let me assure you, God can use anyone. God desires to use you. Remember that as we pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you so much that it is by your grace alone that we gather in your house on your day to to extol you, to lift up your name, to glorify you with every ounce of who we are, with every part of our existence. Father, I thank you for every single man that is in this room, every woman, every child. We thank you, Lord, that we have your word in front of us, open, that is that is alive, that is living and breathing directly from you, that lives and endures forever. Father, we thank you that we have the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to shout as loud as we can to all those who are in desperate need of the truth. I thank you, Lord, that we live in a country with great freedoms. I pray, Lord, for this community that is entrenched and trapped in darkness. We pray for any man that is preaching the gospel in this community that would use them in a great way. If there are others that are promoting a false gospel, God, I would ask that you would silence them. Father, I would ask that you would be glorified in our time this morning, that you would speak And that you would guard my lips and my tongue very carefully that nothing would come out of my mouth that would not bring glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. And amen. Think of this for a moment. If the average person were asked this question, 
Why the church? What would the answer be? Pause on this. What is the primary purpose for our existence? What is the supreme reason, the supreme reason that we exist? Believe it or not, many people would have a hard time answering that question. Why the church? Why the church? Now, if one were to look around us, if one were to listen to what a lot of churches are pushing or promoting as an indication of what is their primary purpose, you are not going to be given much help. I actually looked and I listened even to to this area and I have heard churches that are promoting on a regular basis, this is what they push, this is what they promote. Promote luncheons and spaghetti dinners and bean suppers and picnics and pig roasts and shopping trips and fundraisers. The blessing of pets and the blessing of toys and Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and Cub Scouts, bird watching clubs, movie nights, social gatherings, social awareness, social movements. Or we hear what about church? We hear something that's connected to beautiful architecture or stained glass. Or we hear about historical societies. Or we hear about memorials or dedications or endowments. These are all okay things. These are all good things. We love to watch birds and go to corn boils. I love to watch birds while I'm at a corn boil. But that has nothing to do with what the local church is all about. Even if I were to ask people that are sitting here this morning, what is the purpose of the local church? We would still come up with answers like this. Well, we are here to fellowship, to encourage one another, to associate, to interact with one another. If I were to ask people, why the church? Some would say, well, we are here to worship, exalting the Lord in in adoration, in exaltation, in reverence. Or we're here for sound biblical teaching, expounding on Scripture. Strengthening believers to the knowledge of God's Word. Those things are all good things. Those last three things are great things. They're important things. They're thoroughly biblical. But none of those things or the primary purpose that the local church of Jesus Christ exists. Still none of those things. So what is it? Why the church? Church exists for one reason. Remember this. Why? So that God is glorified. First Corinthians 10. Whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. I read it like this. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Which means what? It's about Him and Him alone. This, this is all about Him. This means what? The primary purpose, the supreme reason that the church Exists The mission that flows out of our fellowship together, the mission that flows out of our worship and our being taught and learning the Bible together is what? It's about Him. It's that you and I are faithful and obedient vessels to what? To fulfill God's sovereign plan in redeeming the world 
It's all about God's plan. And God has a great plan. He has always had a plan. It is being unfurled before us. Since the fall of man, that, that plan was to redeem mankind from the devastating effect of sin, which is death. God's plan was what? Was to call out one man, Abraham. And from that one man, a nation, Israel. And God made a covenant with that nation, Israel. To what? To redeem them. To to have a means of atonement for their sins through a sacrificial system. But what happened? Israel stopped their ears, disobeyed and broke that covenant and rejected her Messiah and rejected her King Jesus. And so what has happened in God's plan? He has called the local church as the primary means, as the instrument to speak out and to teach and to shout about this one Jesus who has died and rose again with a purpose to redeem the world. He began with just a few men. We talked about this last week. He goes up to those few men. He says what? He says, follow me. Come and follow me. And from those few men, many followed. Many men, women, and children. The Holy Spirit was given. And what happened? Boom! The church was born. And today we exist. We exist to follow Christ at all costs to speak the truth of God's plan to redeem the world through the message of the gospel, to speak it and to shout it, to tell other people and to teach other people and to make disciples. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. Last week we talked about what? That there's a major problem that exists. There's some kind of a disconnect within the local church. There's a lot of people that raise their hand and say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm following Christ. But, but we're really not following Christ because we're not reproducing disciples. We're not making disciples. So we talked first and foremost about the, the call to be a disciple. First and foremost. What do we do? We repent. We turn from the way that we're presently thinking and living and what? We, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That there's only one means of salvation by grace through faith. And that is in Christ and Christ alone. And then what do we do? We follow. We follow him regardless of how bumpy the road, how twisted it may seem, how exhausted it may seem, how busy. We are to follow him. Now, the second part that we want to concentrate on today is rooted in this text that we call the Great Commission. We turned to it last week. We turned to it again this week. I'm going to read again the importance of why we are here and what is the purpose of our existence. Listen to this. In Matthew chapter 28, verse, we'll read the end of verse 18. <clears throat> All authority, Jesus is speaking, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has the authority to speak these words. Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here's our concentration today. There is a command for you and I to make disciples. Last week we talked about the call to be a disciple. This week there is a command to make disciples. And it begins right here in verse 19. 
Go. Go and make disciples. Now, sometimes I have been accused of having a sense of humor that's somewhat sarcastic, where you say something that seems a little bit biting. I'm not trying to be sarcastic when I say this. You know what I realize what go means? Go means this. Go means go. I don't know how else to say it. You can kind of wake up a little bit this morning. Go. This is not a difficult term for any one of us to understand. It is one syllable. It is two letters. It's a verb. It, it calls us to action. It means to move. It means forward, green light, gas pedal, full throttle, full speed ahead. Go. The opposite of stop. This is not a difficult term for you and I to grasp. Which means what? Go. This does not mean that you and I are to go to have a life of comfort and or ease. This means go. What? This does not mean to go and then sit, find a really comfortable chair and wait patiently. It doesn't mean that. This means what? Go. Not when you want to go. Go when you're commanded to go. This means go. Not go where you want to go. Go where you are commanded to go. Paul always uses this term, I am a servant. Together we are bond servants. It's interesting to note that almost every single English translation that we have of this word servant that continually surfaces describing the life of a Christian. It's the word doulos. And do you realize that it actually is not the word servant? It actually is the word slave. But the word slave does not sell well. There's connotations connected to the word slave or slavery that is not pleasant. And that is the word that is always used to describe you and I as believers. Big difference between servant, I'm going here every day to serve this person, then I come home, as opposed to slaves. I am owned by someone else. I have no authority. You and I are slaves to Jesus Christ. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When you are told to go, when I am told to go, we have no choice but to go, but to obey. And when Jesus started with this bit of instruction, he intended it to be heard and to receive with an understanding what? That you cannot remain still. You cannot be stagnant. Go, go to your neighbor's house, knock on the door. Tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to the other side of the globe. Go. Don't confuse it. Don't misunderstand it. Don't ignore it. Do not disobey it. You are followers. That means we have to be following. Go. Put the remote control down. Get up off the couch. And go. It's not difficult. Move out of your comfort zone. Go where others have not gone. Go to those who are in need of the truth. Go what? To the ends of the world. It implies something is pressing. Something is urgent. Something needs to be spoken. Something needs to be done. Go and what? Make followers of me. 
Somehow we've said that we just sit here. We just enjoy this. That's not what it means. It's not what's being taught. It's not what we're told in Scripture. Go make disciples. Go make followers of me, Jesus says. The last thing he says, literally before he ascends back into heaven, his entire earthly ministry is complete. You go. Make disciples and baptizing them. Baptizo, it means to dip, to dunk. It means to immerse. Some of you witnessed a really cool baptism. Really neat baptism last Sunday on the riverbank. We heard testimony after testimony. I used to be this. But now I am a follower of Jesus. Several people verbally and visibly identified themselves with Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ was buried in the earth, what? A Christian, last Sunday we saw it right before eyes, was, was what? They were, in a sense, plunged beneath the surface of the water. And as Jesus Christ emerged from the tomb in his resurrected body, so a Christian comes out of the water of baptism. What does it say in Romans chapter 6? To walk in the newness of life. To walk entirely different. Now think about this. A lot of people don't realize that early Christians, when they took this step of faith, of obedience, they were not only marking themselves as a follower of Jesus Christ, they were marking themselves willing to be a martyr. It was that important. It was that significant. I want everyone to know I'm counted with Christ and I am willing to lay down my life for Christ just as he laid down my life for his life for me. Think of that. That's what this idea of, of baptism, it is a commitment. It says, I am all in. Have you identified yourself with Jesus by being baptized? If not, what's, what's holding you back? Don't call yourself a Christian. Because we need to identify with Christ by following Him in every area. We go, we make disciples, we baptize them. What does it say? It says we are to teach them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Observe. The word is to reo. It means to watch. It means to keep an eye upon. It means to hold on tight or hold on fast. The NIV translates it, obey. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Simple, right? Yes, yes. This does not require you to have a degree in theology to teach people to obey what Jesus Christ has taught. This does not mean that you have to be ordained. You don't have to know Koine Greek. What does it, mean? it is a simple as you going to people and encouraging them to follow Jesus. That's what it entails. This is not challenging. This is not difficult. Don't confuse it. Don't complicate it. It's clear and it's simple. Paul said it like this. I love this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says this. Follow me as I follow Christ. Isn't that a bold statement? There's some confidence spoken. It says, I want you, younger one, I want you to watch me because I am going to be watching Christ. I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. Literally, it translates, be an imitator of me. Do everything that I do because I am imitating the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. Could you say that? Would you be willing to say that to a person? 
well, then that means I'd really have to like follow Christ in every area. If I'm telling other people to follow me, then I would really have to do that. A couple of things are implied with that. The first one is this. You're going to have to. You're going to have to. This really upsets people. It makes them uncomfortable. You're going to have to say something. Something's going to have to come out of your mouth. But don't worry, Acts chapter 1, what does it say? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses. Luke chapter 12 and verse 12, the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Don't worry. God's going to give you the words, the right words. Many, many times I've been knocking on the door of a home. I have no idea what's on the other side of a door other than the fact that I know I am scared to death. And as that door opens, the Holy Spirit at that moment gives the right word to say. We are to do this, and we are to do this by example. Second thing implied is what? You're going to have to teach them all that Jesus has commanded. Realize what that means? We're to teach not what we would like to teach. We are to teach people everything, not some But everything, when Jesus Christ says these words, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And we're supposed to teach that. We're supposed to model that as well. You know, it really begins to hit hard. I think this is why Christians have a hard time of following Christ. Knowing the responsibility, if we're setting ourselves up to be an example and we're teaching them, well, you better deny yourself. Well, what does that automatically place on us? That means I have to deny myself. That means visibly in my actions, in my interactions, as people are watching me as a husband, as people are watching me as a father, they're going to determine whether or not he is denying himself and following Christ. That's a hard place to be, but that's the place that we're called. What else? It says that Jesus taught, you are the light of the world. You do not what take a light and cover it up, but you let it be seen. You put it on a lampstand so that everyone can see it. If you are supposed to teach that to other people, what does that mean that you're going to have to do? It means that you're, you're going to have to be a proclaimer of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to announce what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You can't teach someone, well, you're the light of the world, and you can't what? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it quiet, but you... You can't do that. We teach them everything that Jesus Christ has taught. When Jesus Christ said these words, you love your enemies. You do good to those who hate you. And you pray for those who despitefully use you. If you're supposed to teach that, well, what comes with teaching it but modeling it? How often are we talking in a negative or a critical way about those who are against us as opposed to loving our enemies? God calls us, Jesus calls us, Jesus taught this. We can't say something, we can't do something without modeling it. We have got to be all in. When Jesus taught this, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot serve two masters. What? You cannot serve God and money. When the bulk of our week is focusing attention on how much we get because we have so much burden and we're so important, 
We're serving money as opposed to serving God's. God says what you cannot do, you cannot have two masters. You cannot have two masters. If we're supposed to speak that, then we have to model that for other people. We have to be showing other people what it means to be in love with God and not in love with the things of this world, the things of money. Jesus Christ taught that. Jesus Christ taught, let not your heart be troubled. He says, don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't fret and live in fear over, oh, no, this whole thing is just going to pot and it looks horrible. And I don't know. That's not what Jesus says. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm preparing something for you. It's 10,000 times better than you can ever imagine. Don't be troubled. We're supposed to teach that. As we teach that, we are to model that. We are to teach what all that I have commanded. We have to be willing to not only follow Christ, but to commit, to teach, and to model what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. Here it is. Are you doing that? Can you mark the individuals? Can you count them off and say, I am, I am making disciples. I am following Christ. I am showing to others, not only verbally telling them, but I'm showing them what it means. Are you doing that? Are you multiplying those around you to live like, to be like, to follow Christ? Or do you really expect, are you really waiting for someone else to do that? I have to be perfectly honest. If you have no desire, if you have no desire to make disciples, to encourage others, to follow Christ as you are following, then I would have to say, I I don't know how you can truly be a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is impossible for me to know a heart. It is impossible. But we look at fruits and we look at indications of what's what's going on on the outside from what's happening on the inside. And if you really have no desire, I want nothing to do with this. I don't want to speak about this. Then I don't know how you can call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. Because followers of Jesus Christ reproduce themselves. Francis Chan's book, Multiply says this, most Christians can give a number of excuses why they cannot or should not disciple other people. I don't feel called. I have too much on my plate. I don't have the time to invest in other people. I don't know enough. He says this, as convincing as these may sound, Jesus' commands do not come with an exception clause. Go. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them to, well, unless you're more important than other people. There's no exception clause here. Go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them, unless you just have more on your plate than other people, then you're excused. We don't see that in Scripture. In Luke chapter 6, it is recorded, Jesus Christ again spoke these words. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Why are you calling me Lord? It implies what? It implies very clearly, very accurately in Scripture. If you want to call me Lord, you want to call me master of your life, then obey me. And if you have no desire to obey me, what? Stop calling me Lord. That's what's taught in Scripture. 
That's what we have to, to understand. That's what we have to know. My heart's cry. What, 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 what wakes me up in the morning. My heart does not stop beating without a desire for everyone who proclaims to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ to be doing that. I sit with the elders. We pray together. We need a church that understands why we exist. We have to understand this idea that God desires to use you. You have connections that I don't have. Those around you, you have circles and spheres of influence to speak into. You care for people and love people and you weep for people that I don't know. And that's why every single one of us, God has a desire to use us. Understand what you were made for this. God redeems you for this. It's not a program. It's not adding more pressure. It's not guilt tripping you. Well, I just feel like I just am not. No, this is who we are. This is our identity. This is in our DNA. And so what we've done is we've encouraged you. We've given you every single opportunity so that we can assist you in doing this. In your bulletins, you found for the second straight week, this little card that exists. Okay. Put in there for a reason. Many of you filled this card out last week. Wonderful. If you did that, you don't have to do it again. But I would encourage you, if you call yourself a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then then you have got to fall into one or two categories from what I see. The first one is what? I understand the importance of being discipled and will commit to seek out a person to disciple me. That may seem really weird or strange. It's going up to someone, excuse me, uh, you don't know me, will assist you with that. Some people aren't ready to make disciples because, well, I really, well, then we'll assist you in being disciples before you make disciples. Or secondly, you can check the other box. I understand the importance of being discipled and will commit to seek out a person to disciple. I understand what I'm called to do. I understand why I'm here. I understand why we as a church exist. If you'd rather, you can go right to our website at bigwoods.org. Here's a little plug, a commercial. I can't believe I'm doing this just by way of convenience, and go right on it and click the multiply box, and you can fill it out that way. Any way that we can assist you. Let me tell you what it looks like. It is one of the most refreshing parts of my ministry. Do you realize that teaching and preaching, as far as responsibilities that a pastor has, responsibilities that I have, is about 15 to 20% of what I do, of any pastor. One of the most delightful parts of my week is that I get to spend time one-on-one with a young man who is learning and growing in the Word of God. And I commit to do that. We meet together, we pray together, we read God's Word together, we're going through a study book together, which I would encourage you to use something as a guideline alongside of God's Word to make sure we're hitting the important areas. It's simple and it's solid. And it's committing what? Simply to live life alongside of someone else and sharing in their, what? Their successes and celebrating with them, rejoicing with those who rejoice. We're what? Making ourselves available to support or to encourage, to console or comfort. That's what we do as a body. Romans 12 says that we are to weep with those who weep. And as I am pouring into the life of one young man, this young man already is praying about, well, who is he going to be pouring into? 
And when I'm through with him, our relationship will be established. It will continue. But I'll go on to someone else. And I'll disciple someone else. And this young man will do this. And that young man will do that. And it continues, what? To multiply all the way through. We live in a community that is in desperate need of hearing what? God's sovereign plan to redeem the world. And that is through the fact that what? Jesus Christ came to die in the place that you and I deserve to die. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again to offer us eternal life so that our sins can be forgiven and our lives can be redeemed. Why? So that God can use us. I'm so grateful for the opportunity we have today to celebrate as we encourage what discipleship is, the communion table of the Lord's. And this is something that, if you're visiting with us, this is something that we do regularly at Big Woods. Any church that stands upon the truth of God's word regularly remembers the communion table. What is this? Is this mysterious and mystical and ooh? No. It's an object lesson that Jesus Christ gave to what? Those followers, those disciples. Scripture talks about the fact that the night that the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, the night that, in a sense, Judas turned his back on him. Before Jesus was arrested, before Jesus was tried, before Jesus was beat, before Jesus was crucified, before Jesus suffered, he sat with those men in that upper room and he took some bread. It's just simple bread. In the Middle East, it's probably unleavened. It's, it was probably a little bit flatter than the rolls that we use today. We have the comfort stuff. Jesus took some bread and he broke it in front of those men. And he said, this, this is a picture of my body that is broken for you. I'm doing this for you. Don't forget what you're about to witness. Jesus Christ went to the cross and his body was mauled and mutilated. But he did it what? So we didn't have to. Jesus Christ, it says, also took the cup And he poured it out. It was just fruit of the vine. And he poured it out. He said, as he was pouring it, that this cup, this is a picture. It's an object lesson of my blood. Just as I poured this out, my blood is going to be poured out for you. Knowing what? Knowing that God's plan to redeem the world. Something has got to pay. Something has got to die for sin. Jesus said that I will suffer and I will die for you. In light of the busyness of this world, in light of how fast we move, in light of how short our memories are, how quickly and easily it is for us to forget what Jesus Christ did, that's why we have the communion table. We need to regularly do this. And so we offer this to you. We're going to serve this to you. If you are a believer, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is for you. You don't have to be a member of Big Woods. You're a member of the family of God. This is for you. And we'll take that together. And as we take that, we are grateful in our heart and we can take a moment to pray and thank the Lord for offering His body and His blood on our behalf. I'm going to invite the elders to come up to assist us as we serve it to you, just a reminder that we are now taking it to you so you can remain in your seats. Um, and we will um, first take the bread and then we'll take the cup and we'll ask God's blessing and we'll enjoy that together.
before we take the bread as a reminder, as a picture, as a symbol of God's body for us. I'm going to ask one of our elders, Aint Padalev, to ask God's blessing on that. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your body uh, broken for us. Lord, that we can fellowship with you for eternity. Lord, thank you for your love, for your grace. May we never take that lightly. Father, may we uh, just hold your sacrifice in our hearts and minds uh, each day as we go about. In your son's name we pray. Amen. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says that the Lord Jesus Christ on the same night in which he was betrayed took the bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, men. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for this cup that we hold in our hands. And we thank you, Lord, for what it represents, for what is a picture and a symbol of. Lord, um, simple juice. But Lord, it, it's a picture of your blood that was poured out, that was shed on our behalf. You did this for us. We thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that we have been redeemed through the work of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to understand now as called out ones what it means to live as followers of you. Bless this cup to our body. In your name we pray. Amen. It says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. The Gospels, it's recorded that before they left from that upper room, they sang together. And I know that as a church, we love to sing. And so we're going to have an opportunity to do that one more time. Thank you for coming this morning. And may the Lord bless you.